0: GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. Welcome everybody uh, to this week's podcast and uh, I'd like to welcome Matt Willard. Matt, welcome again. Thank you very much, Paul. And for those of you that haven't joined us previously, Matt and I have had the pleasure of, I suppose, owning, operating, running uh, 40 medical centers, general practices, and skin practices over the last 20 years. And we've been looking at the uh, highlights of the ComBank recent GP Insights report, which identified three key areas that are challenges for medical practices, uh, running a sustainable practice, how to recruit and retain uh, good talent. So if you've missed those two podcasts, please go back and have a listen to those if they're of interest. And today's topic is we're focusing on patients, so how to keep up with demand and uh, changing perceptions and preferences as obviously the world is changing and our know, patients' demand is changing accordingly. So, uh, welcome, Matt. And look, I, as we mentioned in the other podcast, we're going to be talking about sharing our experiences in these areas. There's no right or wrong, there are just different ways of approaching it. We're just going to share what we've done over the last 20 years that's, uh has helped us, and also probably some observe, observations as to what's coming in the future, because when it comes to changing perceptions and preferences, it's obviously about, you know, the consumer being the patient today and obviously what that might look like tomorrow. Yeah. So I think we'll talk about the first one is keeping up with demand. So for most medical practices, it's not a lack of patience. It's obviously the ability to be able to uh, keep up with the demand of patients uh, wanting to see doctors, and we understand the shortages in the medical workforce, whether it is doctors or nurses or staff. And we've obviously covered that um, in our last podcast. Um, but just want to talk about coming up with um, uh, managing demand, and this is one area that Matt has a lot of experience in. Probably just talking Matt about you know what can we do at a practice level to try and help once again, keep up with the demand of the patient numbers. So we talk about, once again, just the patient numbers and what we can do at a practice level to try and uh, be able to see everybody as best we can.
1: Yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, without realistically increasing the number of doctor hours you have in your practice, the only way to keep up with demand is through workplace efficiencies or changing your workflow to allow you to be able to treat or manage more patients in the same amount of time without putting patient safety at risk. Um, so, you know, models where you might work with a nurse in a tag team environment where you might triage patients and work across maybe two or three different consulting rooms, really looking at what tasks a doctor is doing that could be moved on to a nurse to work with that that doctor you know, there is a, a lot of incentives in general practice around around using practice nurses more efficiently. And realistically, I think there's a lot of opportunities inside general practice to really streamline how a general practice runs so that a practice can keep up with demand without increasing the number of doctors they have for that demand.
0: Yeah, and, and as far as, you know, how to go about it, I mean, one's obviously say, let's be more operationally efficient. The second one is then, you know, how do we actually practically get that to occur in the practice? Um, and I think that, you know, the, the key thing probably here is, is once again, is working with your teams. As we shared in the last podcast, the importance of, you know, having staff meetings or we use the term performance reviews, but what we're talking about is really having conversations, whether it's one-on-one with people or in a group setting, to talk about, you know, how are we going as a practice and what, could we do to once again optimise our productivity within that, that situation? So, you know, when we're about reviewing workflows, I mean, you know, you as a doctor who owns the practice would know what your workflow is, but everybody's going to be completely different. So, Matt, you want to share how you've perhaps reviewed workflows in the past and, and been able to get things to happen? Along-
1: well, in the skin cancer space, it's a little bit simpler than general practice because essentially, you know, we're doing skin checks. Followed by procedures. Um, For an example, in a skin check, you know, most of our doctors will see between three and four patients an hour. If you take a doctor that can say comfortably see four patients an hour, so 15-minute skin checks, and you set them up with a second room next door and an assistant, primarily a nurse, you can get that doctor from say four patients an hour to six or seven patients an hour, where the nurse will take the patient into the consulting room get them undressed, get their notes date, get their their history put together. And the doctor can come in and do just the bit that the doctor needs to do. And then the nurse can finish off. In a tag team environment, a nurse and a doctor can gain an almost 50% increase in the number of patients that they can see in, in a one hour block.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good example. I think that like we would all understand that, you know, whether it's, you know, let's say for a doctor, there are certain things that a doctor must do, right? I mean, whether it's, you know, once again, medico-legal or expectations of the patient. But there's many things that a doctor is doing which a doctor doesn't really need to do. Now, part of it is, of course, the doctors, you know, being willing and accepting that, you know, as I said, a nurse or somebody else is going to help them. But I think what we're just conscious of is that, you know, for a lot of practices... They look at, let's say, nursing staff and they go, oh, you know, it's a cost. Well, the answer is, yes, they are a cost. There's no doubt at all. But if you could deploy your nursing staff or other um, staff to help grow your doctor's productivity by 20%, 30%, 40%, et cetera, then obviously that means, the you know, the turnover is going to be greater. Yes, there's the cost of the nurse's wage or whatever it is associated with it. And as a business, it would be relatively easy to track. But if, you know, we're charging a dollar for a consult, we can do X many more consults. As a result of this, um, knowing there's a wage cost attached to it, we then can see what the productivity gain is. Mm. Now, you know, the key thing is, is that we don't want to diminish the patient's experience, right? We don't, we're conscious of not making it feel like it's a bus stop and people are being pushed through. Um, Nurses are very good at being empathetic and dealing with patients, and also it does enhance the patient's experience within the practice. I mean, we've got nurses in all of our clinics um, and as Matt mentioned, is you know very involved with the, the patient. We find the patient satisfaction is extraordinarily high. Uh, across our group, our Google reviews is 4.9 uh, to give you an idea. So, um, but it's not just limited to how the nursing staff works. It's also how the front desk is working and what ways can we optimize the productivity which realistically then goes into the sort of the next point we want to talk about is, you know, using technology or, or other resources to help minimise the, the human work. So one example would be, um, you know, online bookings, and we know most practices have got them. All well, that clearly more patients doing online bookings equals less phone calls at the front desk, um, allowing the staff to focus on serving the patients that are in front of them. Uh, but we've integrated the registration form also online as part of the online booking process. So all that data is already captured versus a patient turning up, having to fill in a paper form, and then someone has then got to re-enter that information into it. So, Matt, are there any other sort of, I suppose, technology hacks or other things that we could do that minimises the need for uh, communication or doubling up, you know, at, at the, the front desk as such?
1: Yeah, Not quite a technology hack, but, you know, we obviously using things like patient results and how we manage patient results. Again, using teleconsults for results rather than bringing patients back definitely saves a lot of time or using nursing staff to deliver results also saves time. At the end of the day, a doctor needs to sit down and look at what they do each day and think about what are the steps that I'm doing that are a complete waste of my training and experience what are those steps that I can then move on to somebody else? Or what are the steps that maybe aren't necessary anymore? Or is there a piece of technology? It might be, it takes a long time to write up the clinical notes, you know, voice dictation to clinical notes has taken huge steps in the last few years and becoming much more industry standard and the quality in which you can do that. So there are, I suppose, emerging technologies that will solve problems that we yet don't know about. So that I would always sit down first and look at your workflow and look at where you are wasting your time and essentially look back at, is this task worthy of my level of training and experience, I suppose.
0: Yeah. and And I think, as I said, is that, you know, these are conversations that are best held, you know, once again, you know, getting the doctors together having the discussion around, you know, doing an analysis of, you know, how things are managed within the practice. And the same thing, once again, you know, with your nursing staff and your reception staff. So, you know, what changes could we make that would basically unload you or be able to help you help others more? And it can be little things like where the printer's located. I mean, you've got to, you know, every time you print a piece of paper, I have to stand up and walk to the back of the the, uh, the office to go and pick up a piece of paper. Obviously, it's into time. So... You know, some of these things are are quite simple, but what we're just conscious of is that you're never going to be able to make changes to workflows without the buy-in of everybody or at least the vast majority of people. So it's definitely much better to sit down with them and say, hey, team, what can we do here Uh, and get everybody's buy-in because any change is going to be a bit clunky. Uh, It's not going to be perfected. And that's why the importance of having regular meetings is that, you know, we can deploy something. And if it's not quite working, let's have a discussion around how we can make it better. And
1: and if you are a practicing doctor in your practice, lead by example, be the person who steps up and says, I'm changing my workflow, I'm going to trial this way for the next month. And I will share the results with you. But you know, if you if you're the lead in your practice, lead by example, and, and others will follow.
0: Yeah, cool. Excellent. All right. So moving then on to, I suppose, changing perceptions and preferences. I mean, I think we would all understand the world has shifted seismically and continues to do so. I mean, uh, you know, many, many years ago, as we know, there was the family doctor, uh, solo or a small group of doctors, you know, and it's now large practices. Um, but, you know, outside of the changes that occurred, I suppose, as far as Delivery of clinical medicine: the biggest changes have been seeing, obviously, within society of itself. Um, I think we would all now know that you know there's an immediacy expectation. You know, I want it now, immediately. I don't want to wait, um, and that's really brought across the whole of society. You know, if we want to book a restaurant, I want to go online and book it immediately. If I want uh, anything, I mean, you know, nowadays everything is just delivered at home, and we can have it pretty much straight away. And we need to be mindful that this is what the expectations are of society. Now, obviously running a a practice is is very difficult because, of course, as a patient presents, they might have a consult book, but we don't know if it really is going to take five minutes or 55 minutes to deal with their particular concern. So I think that, you know, for, for us, you know, we are really focused on trying to make sure that we do run on time. Um, If we are not able to run on time, then we inform the patient as they come in. So at least they're not sitting there thinking they're the next patient when there might be two or three before them. Um, If we've got, you know, doctors that are running very late, uh, you can always contact the patient before they turn up and perhaps advise them to come a half an hour or an hour later, depending on what that situation might be. But I think the importance really is around understanding that you know people's time is valuable as we all understand everyone's time is valuable but the fact is is that you know the preparedness to wait and all the patience of waiting you know has diminished you know quite significantly over time um, and we just need to be mindful of it the, the main reason that's probably also important as we also know is that you know there's this thing called social media and there's also a thing called google reviews so you know, I think we would all understand that if I'm going to go and book a restaurant, one of the things I'm looking at is the reviews on that restaurant before I book it. And, you know, it's same if I book a hotel or anything else. So for a lot of practices, you know, Google reviews or let's say what, they, you know, patients might think of them probably hasn't been top of mind. But what we're seeing increasingly is that this is increasingly important for people to know. And also if you want to be a practice that, privately bills and you know and uh, sort of charges well for your services you do need to then deliver a quality service that patients are happy to pay for so you know for us we track google reviews on a monthly basis if obviously we're getting feedback from them that is not ideal Uh, we actually have a process where if we get negative feedback we actually instantaneously uh, jump on it so that you know Sometimes it's things we can't control. You know, my doctor was running late. Well, you know, if we had something come in that was calamitous, then obviously we need to manage it. Um, And if we talk to the patients, you can generally deal with it. So um, if we get a negative or, say, a Google review that's not ideal, uh, we then reach out to the patient, ask them to give us more context so we can understand where we haven't met their expectations, and then, once again, be able to share that with the doctors or staff, so that we can learn from them. Because, as I said, sometimes it is something which we're doing which is not ideal, that we may not be aware of, that, once again, we can bring to future staff meetings and have conversations around how we can do that. Hmm. Um, I I think the other thing is that, um, you know, we we want happy patients, obviously, and we need to deliver great clinical services. But the other thing that we're noticing is the you know, is I suppose, once again, patients seeking out doctors that might have special interests. So if I've got a particular condition or concern and I don't seem to be getting, um, you know, call it the outcome that I would want from, you know, my uh, family doctor or general practitioner, um, patients then will go and search out for somebody who they think can definitely help them more before necessarily getting referred on to specialists. Um Matt, sort of any you know experience sharing around you know patients looking for that information?
1: Look, not a great deal on this area. Patients are becoming more and more review-based, as you said. You know, in, you know, 20 years ago nobody looked at there was no such thing as reviews of the various doctor services. And the and the, the big question we had this, we were discussing this morning, are patients do that? Are they loyal to the practice or are they loyal to the doctor? And ultimately, we we sort of think it's a bit of a mix of both, but not a great deal to add to your your thoughts there. Sorry, Paul.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine. I just think that, as I said, look, you know, people can't get in somewhere. Will they go somewhere else? Well, if it's urgent, of course they will. Um, but I, I think that the key thing is that the patient is far more informed than they were before. They have access to information they never had access before. We're all very familiar with Dr. Google and patients, you know, having basically self-diagnosed and walking in the door and wanting particular treatments without really even the proper assessment being done. And to be honest with you, that's probably only going to get worse. So I think that, you know, as practitioners and as businesses, we need to just be mindful that the patients are moving and are going to continue to move, and you know, particularly with the integration of technology further, especially AI in the next five years, you know, we are going to see this continue to change. And I suppose all that we're just trying to say is that, you know, what can you do about it? Well, you can't control, you know, once again, external forces. Really, it's a case of understanding what they are, rolling with it in the sense of making sure your business is sort of aligned and, and, you know, we're invisible to it. But the key thing realistically is understanding the patients will do research, they will have information on hand, They will have looked at the practice and we need to make sure that as a a practice, we're delivering, you know, excellence as best we can with relation to their interaction with the practice, because we want them to say good things about the practice. We want them to refer their family and friends to us and we don't want to lose them because, you know, we've made them wait too long and we haven't communicated with them. This is the case
1: yeah look, look obviously um, you do get a negative review sometimes there's not a great deal you can do about it the The most effective thing you can do about a negative review is more positive reviews if you can you know you know if you do have a bad review, move on and try and build up your positive reviews because at the end of the day it is the the ratio between positive and negative that makes a real difference,
0: yeah. And really the the, the final thing really I do want to touch on is is technology and AI. I mean, I think that, you know, for those who have seen chat GPT, who basically has just passed the MBA and, you know, basically passed the American uh, Medical Board exam, is that the, you know, this is going to accelerate at an an enormous pace. If we consider obviously where phones are, you know, where 3G was, where 4G is, where 5G is going to be and where what's coming next is 6G, is that they're saying that you'll be able to download 142 hours of Netflix content in a second, right? So information transfer won't be an issue. And this also means that for medical practices, you know, having information in the cloud or records, et cetera, will become basically seamless into the future. But the integration of AI, whether the patients are accessing it or the profession is accessing it to help with diagnostic decision making, um, is going to be increasingly part of our future. And I think, once again, there's nothing we need to do today other than be observant to it. Because, you know, the risk is the patients pick up on it first and suddenly we've got this avalanche of people coming in, not only with Dr. Google now, they've got Dr. Google with AI which, you know, they could put information into and be able to get information to come back with it. So I believe that it's going to be an enhancer for medical practices of the future. If we talk about managing patient demand, you know, being able to utilise technology outside of human resources to help, you know, manage the patients accordingly, uh, will be part of a much greater part of our practices going forward. But I don't want to take away from the fact that, once again, we are in the people business. I don't think anyone wants an AI to tell them that they've got cancer or some other quite uh, ailment that they prefer not to have. I think that, you know, there's still going to be the people piece to it, but the technology piece is going to be coming far more integrated into the practices than we have today. And it's just, once again, that expectation of patients. And I think at the moment, whilst patients And it's interesting, if you look at the younger generation, they trust the technology more than the people. And, you know, that's only going to occur more and more into the future. I think that the real risk also in the future is that we actually do trust the AI more than the human when it comes to decision-making in that process. And that's why the integration of it and having that as once again, as a second opinion or at least another resource for you to access is going to be something which will be um, definitely part of the future. Mm, I agree. Excellent. All right. Well, so ladies and gentlemen, thanks very much for your time uh, listening to this podcast today on patients and how we can keep up with demand, changing perceptions and preferences. Um, And if once again, we can be of any assistance whatsoever, please let us know. Uh, Later this year, we're going to be releasing a a medical business management course through Bond University, specifically designed for practice owners and also practice managers to be able to access it as well to help you develop the skills and tools so you can run a sustainable practice in what we really know is a very challenging environment right now for all of us. But to be honest, I can't see changing uh, in the short term either. So definitely trying to upskill on how to run a practice better for yourself and from whatever resources you can access is definitely very important. So, Matt, thanks very much for your time today. And uh, thank everybody for taking the time to listen. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to helpcert.com.